Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us this uh, edition of Between the Pages. We are in episode 5, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us. For those that don't know, Pages, our mission is to help marketers everywhere get more from search. And we do this by sharing stories about SEO from SEOs themselves. We make a magazine, we have our website and blog, and you're listening to our podcast. We are the SEO magazine for digital marketers. Thank you so much for joining us. Last week, I had an announcement. I just want to follow up for those that may not have caught it. Pages will be featured at MozCon this year. So if you're going to MozCon, come and see us at our booth. We will have a special edition of Pages for those that are going to MozCon. We are so excited to be there, so excited to share the magazine with the MozCon audience, and uh, so very grateful that they've uh, let us come and uh, show the magazine to those around. So uh, really looking forward to that. Um, We also have some changes in our subscriptions. So we have always desired to make pages a free resource for digital marketers. And we didn't really know what to expect when we started this endeavor. Uh, But throughout the year, uh, the past really 14 months that we've been doing this, we have seen just explosive growth of interest and support of the magazine, which has put a bit of constraint on our ability to actually mass produce this. As many uh, that have dabbled in print may understand, it's very costly to print and distribute a magazine. But that was our challenge. And by and large, we have done a really good job of being able to uh, work through the costs of what it takes to print and ship this magazine. One thing that we didn't expect or anticipate was the interest in our UK audience that has grown uh, really, really fast in the interest of the magazine. And the cost to ship it to the UK was just something that uh, we couldn't continue to provide at the rate that the magazine was growing. And so if you live in the UK or you listen to the UK, you might have gotten an an email from us just letting you know why the changes are happening. Essentially what we're doing is we're offering uh, the three magazines for the rest of the year. So it's a yearly subscription. We've got three left that are going out. And for $36, uh, you can get all three print editions. Uh, In addition to the digital that we are putting online, uh, as well as uh, access to um, all our available resources uh, through the blog and and so on. So uh, for those in the UK, Again, we apologize. We really were working towards uh, continuing to make this a free magazine and uh, by growing our sponsorship. And we've seen some growth in our sponsorships, but not at the rate to offset what the cost was to ship it. So at this time, uh, it's $36, gets you the th- the remainder three issues of the year, and then you can re-up again uh, in 2020 if you choose to do so. But again, uh, we believe uh, in what we're trying to do here. Like I said at the beginning, Our mission is to help marketers everywhere get more from search. And we do this by sharing stories about SEO from the SEOs themselves. All right, let's get right into this. Today we're talking to Kristen Vaughn of Co-Marketing. She is the Associate Director of Online Marketing at Co-Marketing, where she develops, manages, and executes digital marketing strategies across a variety of B2B campaigns. She recently contributed to our Q1 2019 issue of Pages on how to integrate social and SEO. She shared three ways to integrate the two in your organization within the article, and I got to sit down with her and discuss this a little bit more in detail, the challenges that exist when trying to work the two together and how one might overcome those challenges. It was a great conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. 
Afterwards, stick around. We're going to wrap up with some closing thoughts. Today we have with us Kristen Vaughn. Kristen, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're, we're doing great here. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I know that we uh, had some scheduling conflicts. Uh, we tried to talk back at the Christmas holiday. That was probably a huge mistake. So uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that you uh, made the time for me today, made the time for our Pages audience, and uh, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad that we got something on the calendar to do this. Christmas is definitely a busier time of year for everyone, so totally understandable. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So for those that don't know, Kristen has written an article in our Q1 issue of Pages that is most likely in your hands at this point in time. If you have not gotten it, please let us know. But in it, Kristen wrote an article Three Easy Ways to Integrate Your Social Media and SEO Campaigns. A fantastic article. Article. We're so thankful that uh, she took the time to write it. And today we're going to talk about that article. But before we do, Kristen, I want to uh, help our audience know a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do. And so my first question for you is that what was life like before search for you? Your education, the things that you were doing, your background. Tell me a little bit about life before search? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually got in the search space really right out of college. Um, so before before search, my life was definitely pretty different than it is today <laughs> and involved a lot of studying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I graduated from Merrimack College, which is right in Massachusetts. Um, and I was studying at the time, um, I got two degrees, one in marketing and one in communications. I took a pretty, I guess, aggressive approach to college, but for some reason at the time, I thought it would be a good idea to graduate in three years instead of four. So mm. I was really excited to get out into the career world. But overall, I think I think it was a pretty typical college experience. Maybe I was mm-hmm. a little bit nerdier than others. Where did you think your degree in marketing communications, what was... In your mind, what did you imagine that you would be doing? Because I, I, I'm not sure that maybe search was on that radar. And yeah. if it was, great. But what, what were you thinking? So I knew that I wanted to work at an agency eventually, at a digital marketing agency. But to your point, yeah, I wasn't honestly very much... Um, experienced in search at the time. When I was in college, it really wasn't something that was taught in our marketing classes. And I know mm-hmm. they've definitely implemented a lot of changes with that and making things more more knowledgeable about search engines and social media. But yeah, at the time, there it wasn't something taught in school. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really just kind of by luck that I started at working at an agency that was experienced in search and social media and content. My kind of where I saw my career going at the time was definitely in digital marketing, but probably more um, content focused. Um, And that kind of eventually evolved into the search engine optimization portion as well. Nice. Was that at the agency that you started with got you involved in searching content? Yes, exactly. So um, kind of my experience at co-marketing, I mean, really I started as a content marketing analyst Um, And from there, I figured out like, hey, what is this SEO? I'm I'm pretty passionate about this. Mm. And um, I could see myself really taking my career in that direction. And I mean, one of the great things about the company I work for now, co-marketing, and and that's where Mm -hmm. I started right out of college, 
pretty open and excited to get people involved in those other areas that they might be interested in, but not necessarily like directly responsible for. So um, once I realized that I wanted to get more involved in the SEO space, Derek and Derek Edmond and Casey Gillette, who they're pretty mm-hmm. well known in the well known and respected in the industry. Yes, um, they are. Yep. Yeah. So they they really helped me do that. So once I actually like voiced that I wanted to get more involved in search and how can I do that, um, they were very open about getting me the resources and the training that I needed to do that. And I think it was a really great kind of pairing, right? Like my passion in the past and throughout college, I was always very into writing and content marketing and then pairing that with SEO. Um, I mean, that's really how to be successful now and yeah. in the search space. So when I talk to people, a lot of times it's not that simple. So it sounds like you, you really had a natural transition started with an agency that really, um, supports, you know, their people to, to grow and to develop and to, to find something that you love doing and to be empowered to be a part of that is, is really a unique story. Um, and, uh, really awesome that you were able to, to find, uh, find that channel. So yeah. tell me a little bit about, uh, co-marketing and what it is that you do exactly. Um, So co-marketing is a B2B digital marketing agency, and we specialize in search engine optimization as well as search engine advertising, social media marketing and advertising, and content marketing. Um, And really, I mean, we deliver really customized and strategic programs for our clients. Our goals are really to work with their organization and their partners and even potentially other agencies that they're working with to figure out how we can tailor the programs and customize them to get the results we need, right? So not Mm -hmm. really cookie cutter programs, but really making sure that they're tailored towards their goals and results. What is the role that you play in that engagement? Yeah. So as an associate director, my job is really to develop and guide those digital marketing strategies and develop what we think will improve online visibility for the client of that organization. So So um, you're responsible for making the plan or overseeing the project and then working with the teams at co-marketing to execute those projects? Exactly. Yeah. And my specialties are really in SEO and content marketing, um, as well as social media to support our SEO efforts and content. article that you wrote for us is exactly that so that it's very fitting where you talk about integrating social media and SEO campaigns together so it sounds like this is right up your alley and it was a wonderful article that had so much information in it um, if you have not read it take the time uh, to go through it because there's there's a lot of good information in here I've pulled out a few quotes and thoughts that I have about those statements that you make in this article that I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about Let's go ahead and jump in. In the article, you make this statement. It's not uncommon these days to come across content aimed at digital marketing professionals that attempts to pit channels against each other in an attempt to determine which is best, PR versus social media, social media marketing versus content marketing, those kinds of channels. So that I find... um, Absolutely true and absolutely fascinating because we see a lot of organizations that seem to compartmentalize the departments that do the work or influence different uh, channels of social content or SEO. You talk about this tension that exists when marketers try to pit marketing channels against each other. 
in your opinion or in your thoughts, why do you think that is? So I think some of it definitely has to do with this kind of silo mentality in organizations um, where, like you had said, these different departments are functioning differently. um, And maybe it's just uh, that kind of not opening to uh, communicating. But I think really like in the past even couple of years, marketers have been um, pointing this out, making it a bit more transparent and definitely working to eliminate that. Yes, you'll definitely have some channels that are in your analytics. You can see that they're more profitable than others. But I think really the difference is when you start thinking about your digital marketing channels and business growth more holistically, it's pretty clear why we need to kind of eliminate those silos in the organization, right? So Mm -hmm. um, thinking about your digital marketing campaigns and what's going to drive the results um, and even potentially making your organization more efficient in doing that if you're working on resolving certain challenges together um, rather than separately, that's really where efficiency would come into play. So, I mean, a couple examples that I've run into, right? So like, by finding out what one channel is lacking, you might be able to fill those gaps with another channel. Mm. Like thinking about paid ads and SEO, right? If one Mm -hmm. term is super competitive and the bids are really high, um, but you already kind of have established some organic visibility, maybe it makes sense to pull back that budget and put your focus more towards creating this really great piece of content that will naturally appear in organic search or that you Mm -hmm. can encourage to do that. So, Yeah. So staying on this topic a little bit more, I imagine that there might be people listening that are in organizations that live in those silos and that those silos continue to exist because we hire in these specialty roles that live in these departments and getting an organization to think more holistically about how they approach search or working together in social and and content and those areas. How might you encourage someone to almost make the awareness that we need to be working together. Like why, why is this important and and how can I communicate this to the people around me to get buy-in that we should actually be working together when more traditionally, you know, these departments have managers above them and sometimes independent goals of each other. One's trying to accomplish one thing, one's trying to accomplish another thing. And uh, so talk to me a little bit, help our listeners maybe, uh, tips, advice about how to bring those silos together, sharing why it's important to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know everyone's probably sick of hearing this already, but I think it really comes down to analytics. Mm. Anything that you can back up with actual data, I think makes it a lot more tangible for people. So especially in the B2B space, we know that customers need multiple touch points before they're actually going to convert and buy something from you. So if you can prove that in the sales funnel, I think it makes it a lot um, more tangible to back up kind of why we need to be putting efforts towards these multiple channels and multiple touch points, Um, especially in the B2B space, just because that's where I'm coming from with Mm -hmm. my agency right now. But the sales cycle and the sales process is, is very lengthy. And with that length, you're dealing with a lot of different decision makers. These decision decision makers have different techniques and preferences for finding information. And there's a lot of research that goes into their decisions. 
So if you couple that with kind of the increasing expectation of customers too and how Mm -hmm. they're expecting fresh and high quality and valuable content across these different digital channels, that to me is it's very important. <laughs> so let's let's go back. I love the the data driven conversations. Start with yeah. the data. Start with the analytics, um, and have conversations centered around those. For someone that might like that's foreign to them about even where to begin looking. Are there any type of metrics that you would emphasize to say these are the areas you might want to start looking or poking into to use to influence the data driven conversation? Yeah. A hang-up kind of that I see a lot of the times is um, being able to measure conversions to actual keywords. Um, Mm. I think that's something that's super important. Like in analytics, we can see data in Google Analytics, data Mm -hmm. around what landing pages are driving conversions, making sure you have your goal set up that way. But I think being able to put a specific uh, revenue metric and conversion metric and being able to tie that back to keyword performance, that will help in kind of driving that conversation as well. So you're looking at identifying keywords that are performing well and reverse engineering that to say that was influenced by these three initiatives that we took, influence that keyword, which is driving a percentage of traffic that is making it further down the sales funnel for us. That Are you talking about that kind of deep dive or is there yes, another exactly. way you're looking? Yeah. Okay. And I think also just kind of how these, how the sales funnel is playing out online as well. So being able to tie back like a visitor came to our site organically first. Um, then they went back and clicked on a paid ad. Then they went back and went to our social media channels, really just thinking about that conversion path um, mm. and tying like the typical process to the actual like purchasing decision. And I think that awareness, what you're talking about right there, the the buyer's journey and how people make decisions can actually support potentially that idea of holistic minded work, you know, instead of silos, when you're able to say like this person came in organic through this keyword, then they looked at this thing on social and then we can track that they saw um, where they came from. And it, it actually supports the idea that like we need to be working together because our customers are touching our organization in many different ways. And if we can collect uh, you know, our brain power to m- help move them down that funnel holistically, it only empowers their, that conversation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think also part of it comes down to, obviously, if we're finding that some channels are more profitable than others, it is kind of natural for an organization to want to um, spend on or focus on what's free or less expensive for a channel. But I think really like the key thing is that by doing that, you might be missing out on highly targeted audiences, um, new audiences, or maybe it's just a different audience that you're reaching to. But I think like offering that experience and that consistency across channels, you're really making sure that even with the different behavioral patterns or preferences of finding information, you're making it really easy for your audience to find that information 
no matter mm-hmm. what platform they're on. I find it interesting. You, you talk a little bit about, you just mentioned the financial uh, investment that organizations may be willing to make when they see certain channels more profitable than another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and it's interesting because I was talking to uh, Charles Taylor, head of SEO at Verizon, and he was talking about how the one of the problems with in an organization that big that when he's able to prove the SEO work tying to like revenue oriented returns, the um, stakeholders tend to want to dump a lot of money into a channel like SEO. And his point is to saying SEO isn't like PPC where PPC, you spend more money, you should expect more output. Um, SEO is kind of a one-to-one return. Like just because you spend more money in SEO doesn't mean that that's going to increase your return on that. Uh, do you find that to be true or, or is there things that you guys work with when you're dealing with budgets and you're trying to decide where to invest certain things? Is that a part of any of the conversations you guys have? Yeah. I mean, I definitely just coming from like the agency perspective of that, obviously if someone is, um, has a much larger program or campaign running, um, we can dedicate more resources towards that. And maybe it's targeting new words or expanding our keyword set where we could kind of apply resources that way. So like Mm -hmm. expanding our, our keyword targets and maybe we need to spend resources creating an asset instead. So Mm. while it's not, it's definitely not like paid in the sense where you can just shift the budget and you have this uh, tangible result to show for it. Mm -hmm. But if it makes sense for a business to focus more towards like a new keyword set, I think that could be one way to kind of Mm. increase the visibility that way, yeah. Let's move into the main thrust of the article, and you talk about the three points you make. We're not going to talk in deep about, well, we may get into some more than others, but the the three tips in the article talks about engaging your audience, increasing visibility, and listen up. So let's start with engage your audience. Uh, you talk about how social media can be used to support your link building efforts by engaging with key contacts associated with each of your target sites. I'm not sure that you hear uh, a lot about how to use social to build links. I, I find that when the conversation of link building is exists, it tends to be in a certain channel of thought. Whereas I'm not sure I've heard a lot of people how to build links using social uh, and leveraging social to build links. Uh, let me ask you, why is this important and how is this done well or how is this done poorly? Yeah, absolutely. So social media, I think it really comes down to the fact that social media doesn't directly impact link building, but it definitely can be used to support your link building. So Mm. I think the key is relationship building. So making sure that your link building targets are actually aware of your brand and engaged with your brand before you just throw out a request from them, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. and this kind of comes down to just how you 
communicate and deal with humans every day. So mm-hmm. instead of just approaching someone and coming up with that ask, figuring out how you can make yourself stand out, um, how you can build that foundation of a relationship beforehand so that they know um, you do care about their company and you're putting focus into it. You want to build that relationship beforehand um, mm-hmm. instead of the alternative to that is just reaching out via email and expecting them to bite on your pitch. Um, right. If we're thinking about link building as um, contributions, that would be a good example. And I think that kind of goes back to the conversation we were having before about um, that multi-channel approach. So instead of just reaching your target on one channel, you're then reaching them on social media first, um, building Mm -hmm. that foundation, and then eventually reaching out directly, whether it's via the phone or via email, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's in person at a conference. But I think even simple things like following them on social media first, starting Mm -hmm. to comment on anything that's relevant, show them that you have things in common with them, and kind of further position yourself as a thought leader in that Mm -hmm. similar space that they're in. And then once you've established that initial relationship, I've at least found in the past a lot more success in that accepting the contribution or talking more about any other link building opportunities that they might have. So, you know, Krista, I'm just going to put you on the spotlight here because I think what you're talking about, you yourself have done really well. It was maybe a month ago you posted an article or I can't remember exactly what it was. And and I read it and I thought that was really good. And I retweeted it, shared it out. And you reached out to me directly on Twitter through message. You didn't like just make a comment, but you directly reached out to me and said, Hey Joe, thanks for sharing that. I just remember thinking, you don't see that a lot on Twitter, like a direct message versus, you know, just a a normal comment where you go, thanks for, for the like or the tweet. And uh, I was just really impressed, like on a level of building relationship and connection, there's like, yeah, uh, you know, if, if Kristen is trying to reach out to me for something, like I'm going to give her the time because I felt like there was a human connection there, not just your normal retweet or things like that. And so if you're, if you're listening and you're, you're wanting to attempt that, I just thought you did a, I don't know, I just don't ever see that. And so it really <laughs> impressed me that Thank like, you. Oh, I really she actually appreciate did. that. <laughs> I'm actually practicing what I preach. That's good to hear. <laughs> it is. It was, it was cool. So it's funny you bring that up. Cause I was like, Oh my Thank gosh, you. she totally did that to me. So, and it worked and, and it was great. And I, and I think that's the kind of thing we're, we're talking about here. Not not necessarily that fake kind of, I'm just retweeting everybody's stuff. Yeah. Um, but really just actually saying, Hey, that was meaningful that you did that. I appreciate that. And that just, it raises the equity of that person that much more. So yeah, absolutely. That was really good. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is just not getting discouraged. Um, it does take like multiple, I guess, engagements to have mm-hmm. that relationship. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, if you, there are certainly people who have like automated DMS hooked up so that if someone tweets them, mm-hmm. they just get kind of like a automated message. But I think also when you're doing these types of things, thinking like, how can I actually personalize this and let this person know and kind of pop out from all of that spam that they might be getting, even just simple things like using people's names, right. Me saying, mm-hmm. thank you, Joe. I really, appreciate you sharing this article instead of just thanks for following me or something like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, that right. that wasn't automated. <laughs> no, no, it like wasn't. maybe you got it. Definitely wasn't. But I think those are key. I notice when things are automated, just because I yeah. want to make sure like all of my messages are not. But yeah. um, I think those are like key things that pop out to me. Like if someone doesn't use my name in a message, I kind of get that feeling. Like exactly, is this automated or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Oh, that's yeah. Great. So you move into your point two is increase visibility. And so you talk about to get the most out of the content you've worked hard to create. It's important to distribute it beyond just the week of publishing. And let me ask about this frequency. So in an age of content overload, uh, is there a rule of frequency that we should be mindful of, right? I mean, we see where it's just post after post after post and you almost get like, okay, I get it you know, versus just really intentional, um, outreach. Is there any frequency, uh, rules that you see? Yeah. So I wouldn't hold yourself to a exact rule, but I think a good best practice for people just to be keeping in mind is that 80, 20 rule. And, Mm. um, are you familiar with that? Uh, the Pareto principle. Yes. 80, 20 rule. Yeah. So basically sharing 80% of that more like engaging or third party related content and only 20% of your own or, mm-hmm. or more promotional content. So I think that's something that just to keep in mind, obviously there aren't any like hard metrics that you need to follow there, but right. that'll hold you to the expectation where you're not just kind of pushing out all of this promotional content. And I think that's very helpful in driving that engagement and avoiding creating this one way channel where you're just communicating only only what you think and not what others do. Lastly, you talk about uh, listen up and you talk about while creating keyword focused content is essential, it also needs to be aligned with your audience's wants and needs and how this can be challenged, uh, very challenging to do. Let's talk a little bit about that idea of that balance and, and how that's challenging and, you know, dealing with conversations happening across social media and other core keyword themes and uh, how we can come up with valuable content opportunities. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the, the value and we did talk about this a little bit already, but the value is really just making sure that you're being human um, and not just optimizing towards Mm -hmm. search engines, but also optimizing for humans. And that sounds so simple, but you would be surprised at how many people struggle with that because um, in the back of your head, you do have that overall goal of, hey, we want to increase keyword visibility here. But what I always tell my team, and I think they're probably so sick of hearing it, is to read your content out loud. And if it doesn't sound natural, delete it. Just get rid of it. Um, It is something that like it it brings your writing and your – content to life for you. And I think you you catch things that you may not have just reading over it and having that subconscious kind of keyword focus in the back of your head. Um, I think that's a challenge for, for SEOs and content oriented people because content oriented people in that silo, they traditionally are thinking like the human, but then you have the SEO on the other side saying, but there's a machine that's recording this and crawling this and sending the data back to a server that's interpreting it. 
talk a little bit more about that balance. And, and maybe if someone's in an organization right now and they're the SEO and they're saying, you know, man, we could do better in our optimization or they're the content person and they're saying, you know, but it needs to be human driven. Talk about how, how to have your foot maybe in, in both streams there. Um, or maybe should we have our both feet in both streams? Yeah. I mean, one thing for me, I, I always joke around with my friends really because I, as an SEO, I kind of just do things differently than I would say the average um, person or even average marketer because I subconsciously have these like um, SEO habits or like understandings of how search engine work that maybe um, just the average searcher does not. So I always kind of reach out to um, people or even other colleagues or friends or family and mm. ask them how they would either whether it's something about searching or how they would find information for something um, just to kind of bring myself out of the SEO world and figure yeah. out like how how someone would typically approach that but there's really kind of two parts as well so it's not just using natural language, but also promoting things in a natural way. Mm. Um, I think that's also something that people are struggle with still, um, or have mastered kind of the natural language portion of it, but still working to kind of promote in a more natural way or vice versa. How can we leverage social to inform the ideation and creation of content? What are some tips that we can learn from when looking at social that can inform the kinds of content that we should be creating? So social, there's definitely a ton of ways that you can look at social for this, but I'll just kind of go through a couple of my, I guess, top ways. I think analyzing your social media performance to figure out what content assets your audience likes the most. Um, So whether that's the specific topics or the styles of writing, um, even the the styles of titles, um, Mm. or even the best time for engagement too, Um, really figuring out like this is the audience and this is what they care about. One tool that I use to do that, which I would highly recommend using if you're not already, is BuzzSumo. Um, they have a really awesome tool within that, that it's a content analyzer where you can basically see, um, all of your top shared content assets, uh, specifically who shared them, what times they shared them, or rather the engagement by like the time of day, the type of content, um, the style of content. There's a ton of great information there. You could really dig yourself into a hole with it, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) find what's important in there and go with it. I think also just generally better understanding your audience from social media, figuring out, even if it's not your direct followers, but figuring out what people are looking for, what information they're asking for around a certain topic, and then offering them that information in the future. Are there any other tools that you would recommend um, when you know working with dealing with content and SEO, anything that you guys use that you might say, hey, you may look at this, try this one out? Yeah, I would, I mean, this sounds very simple, but I would say make sure you're using all of the analytics with, within each platform. Um, something mm-hmm. that I've found is a lot of the times third-party platforms will show um, a little bit of different information, but going directly to that source and figuring out like your top impressions, your engagement rate on posts, um, monitoring what those top posts are and the top mentions. Um, definitely don't underestimate the power of those 
analytics that they're offering. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the platforms have been working to make that better for us too. Like if we think about just how much data is there, definitely take advantage of that as well. Kristen, you've provided so much great information. Uh, I imagine that there are people out there that want to maybe ask follow-up questions or reach out to you. Uh, Is there a place that you prefer that if people had questions or wanted to connect with you, how can they do that? Absolutely. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at Kristen underscore Vaughn. And I can also send that over to you after if that's easier. Yep, we'll link to it in our show notes for sure. So just, uh, she's there on Twitter. She's posting a lot. If you're not following her already, please do so. You're going to just get a ton of great information from her. And if you have follow-up questions, don't uh, hesitate to do what she's talking about. Be a human being in a social world and reach out and ask the questions. So I'm sure she'd love to connect. So thanks again, Kristen. Thank you. does it for this interview. Thank you again to Kristen for taking the time. Let's talk just for a second about the upcoming issue of Pages Magazine, issue two, quarter two. This is going to be one of our best yet. The design is on point. Brilliant work by AJ. Uh, The content is amazing. Our contributor list of our Q2 issue is Ronell Smith, who is a content strategy consultant. Julia McCoy, who is the CEO at Express Writers. We have Tanya Lobo, who is a content specialist at Digital Crew. We have David Shuloff, who is the CEO at Red Hot Penny. And Brittany Mueller of Moz. You are going to love this issue. It's going to be amazing. Make sure to subscribe today at pagesseomagazine.com. That's pagesseomagazine.com. This issue is going to be the search in all of us. You are not going to want to miss this issue. Get subscribed today. We are two weeks away from going to print. You are not going to want to miss this one. Get subscribed. That being said, this podcast... Uh, Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, like us, comment, review, uh, make sure people know about what we're doing. This is the place between the pages where you can hear interviews from those who write the content in pages, more detail, more information, more ways to grow, share the podcast, like it, review it. You know how it works. Help us out. Get the word out. I am so glad you've listened. Thank you so much for being here today, and we'll catch you next time on Between the Pages. Peace out.